Hello, welcome back to Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church. My name is Andrew Metcalf. I am here uh, semi-hosting. Yeah, well, know. you know, I've I'm been taking all, over the you're intros. You're a full host, Andrew. You're yeah, a full host. It's I'm full on host. Co-hosting. Oh, there yeah. we go. It's like, like a meteor that. or a, a, a moderator. Sorry, meteor. Ooh. Moderator. Get you're a good moderating. debate going. Yeah. I'll have to calm down both sides. Keep you, <laughs> yeah. keep you even. That's crossfire. No throwing things. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is a show where we ask uh, Pastor Dave here, Dave Gadini, questions about religion, theology, beliefs, culture, the world, kind of anything. Uh, and see see what he has to say. See what the Bible has to say. Um, yeah, and we ask our there. audience, like, hey, what yeah. do you guys think about this? Like the Citizen song, which, you know, people either liked or didn't like. They thought the video yeah, was creepy. Yeah, that was creepy. polarizing, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was nice. I, I want to know, like, what do you, what does the audience think about the opening theme song? Mm. Like, let's get some feedback on that. Because I, I was having a conversation the other day with someone who loves the show, and they're like, love the show, but I can't stand that theme song. And I don't know if it's because it gets stuck in their head or That's the point, not. Though, right? it, it is, I guess. It's a total earworm. The other yeah. thing about it, too, is that my dad, who loves the show, he's like, if you could do one one favor. So, Dad, if you're if you're watching, listening, we could just do that. Because he hates it. He's like, it's so distracting. So we just turned the open <laughs> sign off. But I'm going to turn it back on because I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners. Yeah, right. Right. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> once again, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Uh, it's good to keep the streak alive there, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I think a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Renaissance Fair stuff. Oh, gosh. And Dave, you said that your family has costumes, outfits picked out I wish for Steve's we, family. Oh, yeah. No, no. We totally have the whole costume thing lined up for you, Steve, for Barbie, for Maya. I mean, we, we've spent way too much time thinking about this. Yeah. I and we're hear, ready, Steve. I we're ready when you are. That. I yeah. want to hear about it. But you know what? They don't just, you know, the Gadini family does not just wear them for the Renaissance Fair. Like they, they're long 10 acres. Every third Saturday. Dave's probably lawn. out on the riding lawnmower thinking he's jousting with someone. You know? <laughs> we did. We cleaned out the church. We found a lot of like shields and armor and swords. I'm and like, a futon. Dave, take Where'd your stuff home. Where'd the futon come from, Dave? You know, the strangest thing that I've ever found at Fellowship of Faith is pants. Pants. How do you lose your pants at church? And I don't want to know how you lose your pants at church. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to say that off the bat. No. But, but, you know, we haven't just found pants on one occasion. We have found pants on multiple occasions. It's like we're in the lost and found. It's like there's a pair of pants in here. Like, uh, really? There is some really odd things in that. Like, it's amazing that, you know, how, how long ago did we clean out our lost and found? A long time ago. Well, not really that long ago. But we haven't been like we haven't had the the amount of people that we've had in the past just because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more online presence now. Right. But it's amazing how fast that, that lost and found area under the welcome desk, like fills up and yeah. sunglasses and half, half of those are my wife's. Probably. You know, yeah, probably, <laughs> but you know, the other one that always gets me is car keys. Yeah. You know, people's key fobs and things yeah. like that. I was like, I know people sometimes have spare sets. How are you getting and, home? Are you, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have your spare set on you right. at all times? Right. I mean, I usually do in my bag, but you know, is where it is. So last week we uh, talked quite a bit about like salvation and some works and false and fake faith and how do I know if I'm saved? And I know Andrew, Andrew's got like a photographic memory. And so he's like, so we're going to talk about salvation today. And I'm like, well, if we want to, sure. Do you have, do you, do you remember like what we discussed or like, <laughs> I have, a little like bit, certain... but that's, that's cause I went back and listened to it oh, again. Yeah. 
Well, I don't do that. <laughs> it's one and done. This morning, I went back and listened to the end of the episode, so I knew how we left off, so I know how to proceed today. Mm. So, by the it's way, it's a good thing we're co-hosting. Do you hear this? If you hear this throughout the show, just know that it's it's me and my addiction. So I used to smoke for like a pack a day, you know, and so I needed to quit, and so. I started taking these nicotine lozenges, which I have actually taken for 13 years. No, 14 years wow. now. When Maya was born, I quit smoking. Hey, good for you. Well, yeah, you know? but is one bad thing, like, it, should I replace it with another bad thing? But yeah, then, but you're not feeling your, your, your lungs that's smoke. true. And then I did ask my, you know, doctor, I'm like, so is this a, is this an issue? And he's like, nah, you know what, if you need it, just go ahead and take it. So, so for our online audience, if you, if you hear this, everyone's the rock is going there. I did yeah. hear it, it just, when I was re-listening to last week's at the end of the episode. Yeah. It just that. means that these two guys are stressing me out. And he's like, well, I can't leave. Uh, so. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? All right, Andrew, so how do people ask questions here on this? Yeah, you can ask questions on the Facebook live stream on 216 The Net or on uh, Fellowship of Faith on our Facebook page. Um, you can also text into 815-314-0363. Uh, I think we're going to mostly be talking about salvation today, but if, if we run out of stuff to discuss that, we've got some others lined up for that. Um, but again, it's 815-314-0363. I guess I'll start with more of a generic overview kind of, of what we were discussing at the end of last week. So we we're talking about salvation. How do you know if I'm saved, once saved, always saved? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to kind of summarize that a little bit, and then we'll see where, where that takes us from there. I mean, at some level, the, the concept of salvation is what's central to the Christian worldview and Christian faith. I mean, the, the entire uh, set of questions that, that people even ask in relation to Christianity at some point are going to come back to this nucleus mm -hmm. about salvation that that you need to be saved are you saved what are we being saved from the bible of course is replete with the idea of god saving people i would even go so far as to say it's the fundamental way that the bible asks us to understand god is that god is fundamentally a god who saves which of course begs a certain question saves from what because in many uh, in many conversations I have with people, I mean, there isn't even a realization that I need to be saved, or it's not even a set of questions that you ask. And so I thought maybe what would be helpful to to kind of go into this is start by kicking around those basic ideas. What are things that we want to be saved from, whether we identify as Christian or not, whether we are quote saved from a biblical standpoint or not? I think if we start flushing it out. All of us want to be saved for something or from something. And so I thought, hey, let's just kind of maybe the three of us start building a list here. We're not going to like type it online or anything, but uh, you just kind of get a verbal list going of things. What, what could you imagine wanting to be saved from or someone wanting to be saved from or for? I'd say probably like illness is what comes to mind. Sure. A big one. Medically yeah. sick. Like, yeah. Saved from the movie Mean Girls. No, no, no. There's no salvation <laughs> from that movie. It, yeah. This guy. Oh, my goodness. Another rabbit hole. But <clears throat> while you guys are thinking about, you know, the things you want to be saved from, this is mm -hmm. like the number one thing for me. So he like ever since I've moved here, you got to watch Mean Girls. You got to watch me. Have you watched Mean <laughs> Girls yet? And I'm like, I'm never watching Mean Girls. Well, it happened to be it happened to come on YouTube TV. Ooh, yeah. We so were, never lasted we were, about like 400 days. Huh? Right. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's an interesting kind of only because of it was free. Steve. 
and my <laughs> wife and my daughter were going to watch it. So yeah, yeah I guess some other uh, excuses yeah, okay. on foreign it days. Yeah. The most horrible movie I've ever seen. See, he's offended by this. Like this is getting under his skin. Hey, hey, bring it to the listeners. Have you seen Mean Girls? If so, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, yeah, let's uh, let's let's so let's see what the world thinks. Girls, that's what yeah. I want to be saved from. I was listening to a podcast where they were uh, kind of joking about the idea of sermon series, and they were uh, like role-playing a scenario and they're like well we just wrapped up our 17-week series on mean girls oh my god <laughs> 17 weeks and steve is born I think we could i think we could thread the needle on that and figure yeah. that out <laughs> <laughs> okay so we have salvation from disease i've seen that sometimes that's in, in a very terminal sense you know of course cancer is so death. rampant right death of course save me from death say god god give my relative more time uh, bring him back from maybe an accident or something um, relationships, just the fear of death, relationships, abuse. God saved my marriage, saved this like estranged relationship with my son, maybe saved uh, abuse, saved me from uh, getting tormented at school, saved me from getting, uh, you know, my face beat in by this guy in the block, saved me from hopefully not. But, you know, we know what happens, a parent, a spouse, someone like that, a caregiver who's abusing me. Right. Save me from uncomfortable situations, um, you know, and uh, put the movie aside, uh, but but let's use it as a window. Just save me from the things I don't like, the things that are unpleasant, the things I might have to endure, the things that, uh, oh, God, get me out of this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What else? As far as being saved from or salvation pieces. Where are we going? Saved from. Saved you know, we listed about five. From. What else can you come up from? Come up with? I mean, being saved from the the weather, or I guess that's more safe, not saved from. But, but they are related terms. Yeah. So let, let's put it this way: natural catastrophe, disaster. You know, I'm sure there's people who have been in tsunamis, people who have been in hurricanes, people who have watched a tornado bearing down on them here in the Midwest. That's going to be more common. People maybe in earthquakes, you start feeling the ground shake. You live out in the Pacific Northwest or out in Hawaii or something. You got volcanoes blowing off. I mean, these are things people have cried for salvation for for centuries, if not millennium. We got wildfires, you know, just rampaging the, uh, the Southwest right now. There's people's yeah. homes that are being threatened, right? There's people that are just kind of layered in soot every day. Save me from that. Let's push it maybe a little bit save further. From save, like me from governments governments. save me from government. Save me from political insurrection. Save me from um, yeah, yeah, oppression. Save me from persecution. Save me from threat. Save me from ridicule. Save me from my enemies. Right? Save what is me, enemy save me from myself. Yeah. Save oh, me from myself. Yeah. How many people find that? Yeah, yeah. The, the the weakness and frailty of who they are continually doing things over and over again that they know are destruction that they hate themselves for that they're ashamed about. We got one here from Tom, say salvation from depression, salvation from grieving, salvation from anxiety, salvation from, from mental health mm. issues, yeah. salvation from um, ecological disaster. Um, maybe people aren't afraid about a natural disaster, but they're afraid of something more global, like maybe our environment is going to hell in a handbasket, and I'm just afraid of that. Addiction. Save me from addiction, right? Steve, you're, you're, give us some rock shake, you know? <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> How many people, though, yeah. you know, regularly save me from alcohol, save me from this drug addiction, save me from porn addiction, save me from mm -hmm. a spending addiction, save me. I mean, all of these things that, that grab us, threaten us, scare us. There's something universal to humanity, no matter what religion you identify with. And it's that you want to be saved from something. We all come face to face with things that seem bigger than us outside of our control. 
that we're unable to navigate. We don't know how to navigate that, that even if we've tried to navigate, seem to be more powerful than us, um, have more power than we have over ourselves and, and that defeat us. And I mean, this is kind of ground zero uh, areas where people cry out to God. One of the most basic human prayers. I think whether you believe in God or not, the amount of people who don't believe in God that pray is, oh God, if you're there, save me, right? Maybe you don't even use that exact word, save, but it's the concept that's there. And that's fundamentally what Christianity is about. Because the Christian conception of God is that he is a God who saves. And if you've been in the Christian circle long enough, you automatically start equating that to, to, to like maybe one of the big three, sin, death, and the devil. But I think as Christians, we've become so familiar with the term salvation that we forget how broad the biblical scheme of salvation actually is because everything that we just mentioned, um, maybe not what, even mean girls, um, even girls who are mean and boys who are mean, even mean people, right? Yeah. You are going to see, especially in the Psalms, I mean, read these Psalms sometimes. I mean, they're all about salvation, but it's God, save me from my enemies, save me from the pit, save me from those who are seeking to destroy my reputation, save me from those who threaten me, save me from this or that or the other, save me from myself. God is fundamentally a God who saves. I think most of us think as God is, is fundamentally a loving God. I'm not looking to kind of parse this and argue with that, but I just kind of want to challenge that a little bit and go, Maybe we're supposed to understand God more as a God who saves than loves. And what the Christian hope is all about is how does God save? When does God save? Who does God save? Um, how do we access this salvation? And how does that help us not only understand God, but kind of our way out of um, the morass of, of a broken world that we fall ourselves in? Yeah, but uh, at the same time, there I know a lot of people who think as God is an angry, vengeful, yeah, um, God who you know, like, d don't doesn't not view him as someone who's going to save them from anything, but condemn them to something instead. So it's the opposite of that. One of the great ironies too about the Bible, I think, where people um, maybe read a verse here or there, they, they read a scary chapter, mm -hmm. as I want to put it. You know, they're maybe not versed in the whole biblical text, but you know, we've all done this. You open and you read something. It's like, you know, you read some of these stories, and it's like. Oh, oh my gosh, right? Fundamentally, whenever you see God's judgment being <clears throat> carried out, it's for a final purpose of salvation. And this ties into the biblical idea of justice, that there are evil people in this world who do evil things. And, and too often those evil people are us. But in God's desire to see vindication or goodness happen to people, that often means God intervenes to put down an oppressor for the salvation of someone else. It's fascinating that when you read the Psalms, more often than not, the, the, so, the songwriters, the, these poets, aren't singing about, Lord, save me from the sinful person I am. Don't condemn me. You do see elements of that. I'm not writing it out. But I would say two to one, you see this. Lord, save me from him. Save me from her. Save me from my enemy. And I think we've mentioned this before. It's often more a plaintiff in a civil court appealing to a judge to intervene than it is a defendant in a criminal court saying, please declare me not guilty. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what about then? What do you say to someone or let's say someone says, uh, why would, why would God going back to creation a little bit here? 
why would God create us then to only have the have the need to be saved? Yeah, it's it's an age old question, and fundamentally we don't know. But there are some lines of thinking that might help frame it. This is not a new question. I mean, sure. uh, just even last night, re- reading again, people in the 17th century wrestling with this question. Even names like Descartes and Pascal, these people that we know from other ways, these were theologians who used to wrestle with these questions and, and saw science, believe it or not, as an outworking of understanding uh, the nature and character of God. Right or wrong is, is another story. But um, regardless to that, um, there's a lot of thinking from from theologians and philosophers on this that goes, if you start with the premise that God is fundamentally good or even perfect, perfect in his will, perfect in his character, and that is a a faith statement. I I mean, God invites us to trust him in that. Um, And sometimes it means trusting him against what we seem to perceive with the suffering of this world. But nonetheless, if we start from that basic premise, it means that what God has orchestrated, meaning what God has created in this world with its capacity for evil, albeit allowing free will, is better than the alternative. Mm. There's a lot of people who I think would, would say, Lord, maybe you could have just made this where you spared us from suffering and didn't give free will and allowed, uh, didn't allow people uh, recourse to act in the way they want and um, just orchestrated and fatalistically determined everything. Well, as I say that out loud, doesn't that seem displeasing in equal and opposite ways Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe worse. So there is an invitation to trust God that, I mean, he's not dumb. He he knew where this was going to go. He knew the suffering, and I'm not trying to make light. I mean, the the deep well of human suffering that that we face and that people have faced for millennium and that, that God himself actually sets himself up to face as a result. I, I think we forget that, that God opened himself to suffer and watching what he loves destroy itself and be broken, uh, that he invited that upon himself. It's not just on us. That somehow and in some way he invites us to trust that that is a better alternative than if he was to remove any capacity for evil to happen and all the consequences that that would have. Yeah, Um, One of the the things that that specifically reminded me of is, is that what heaven is like then? the absence of free will to choose evil. And it might be, but I think I like it better phrased in, in how Christian theology is often phrased it more or, or thought about more is it's not that your free will is being taken away, but that you have become so transformed that the choice of evil isn't isn't even a conceivable option anymore. That, that, that there's clearly a thing. There's no seduction to it. There's no desire to it. There's no propensity to it. There's no um, self-destructive tendency. I mean, we all have this a little bit. You see the fire and, oh, man. Can I stick my hand over that for <laughs> well, how some, long? Some more than we others. all have this, you know. <laughs> but, but to a degree, we all have this kind of, you know, test the limits, self-destructive yeah, kind, kind of leaning where we um, some do just the worst and stupidest things. Yeah. Um, and, and yet what's even greater in, the sto- in this, this picture of salvation that the God of the Bible um, holds out for us is that even though right now we do face all these things we need saving from, that God will save from it. So it's not just a, well, this is the better alternative now, cope and deal with it. But even out of this, God is going to bring it somewhere towards an end where wrongs will be set right, people will be vindicated, sin will be eradicated. Um, 
and, and salvation in its fullest sense will be ours. And, and one of the mistakes I see Christians make is they always talk about being saved like it's a past tense. Mm. And when I'm just kind of in a snarky mood, I go, no, but I will be. Because the real hope is that you will be saved. And, you know, you ask anyone who's in the middle of it, God does intervene. And sometimes God does bring someone back from the, the, the precipice of cancer. Sometimes God does spare someone's life and give them more years. Sometimes God does um, put a hedge of protection around one house in the middle of a natural disaster and it's, and it's untouched. And God does work that way and mightily. But oftentimes he doesn't. But the future is coming when all, all the evil that people have suffered and all, all the hurt that people have had to endure, it will be redeemed, renewed, and restored. And salvation is something yet to come. There's a both and to this. But I always like to frame it that way because we forget about the and. Personal question for you both. At any time in your life, have you ever felt guilty because... And, and, and I'm not saying this is where you're at right now. And hopefully you're not. Hopefully you've grown. <laughs> Where's this going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're all intrigued, Steve. <laughs> at any point in your life or your, your, your walk, let's say, did you ever feel like super selfish because mainly the only reason that you had this belief was because you were so afraid of not being saved? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think everyone, everyone does. Yeah. I, I think it's the human nature to be self-seeking and self-serving and that God is often for us a means to an end rather than an end in himself. So then when then for either one of you was the kind of the rollover or flip to say, well, my walk or my belief or my love or my relationship with Christ isn't because of, of being scared anymore or of not being saved. It's because of what he's actually done for us and how much he does care about us. I would, I would say that kind of comes and goes. I think that's, that's your nature too, is there's times where it's not about, Oh, like loving God and he's the end all be all. There's certain moments where like this, this is a, an ends to a means, if you will. I think where you either lose heart or lose, or, you know, you're facing a challenge or whatever. And it's like, that's, that's kind of why it's called faith. Cause it's the rock bed of that. So when there's those moments where you're not sure or where, you know, it's, it's not feeling right or whatever that's there to kind of hold you up and support you in that. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I said that well, but yeah, oh, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I get it. Yeah. And for me, I think it's, it's an ongoing process. I don't think I'm there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't say I'm not there. I don't see it so black and white. I think that's the process of God growing me mm -hmm. and continuing to challenge me. And like Andrew said, there's, there's times when it's more pronounced in different ways, but, but hopefully through the course of life, he becomes more of an end for himself mm -hmm. and what I can get out of him or get saved from him, which believe me, I'm not knocking that as a motive. You know, I mean, you're in trouble and someone can help. Hey, help, right? Yeah. Call out and he wants you to. You guys like going to funerals? <laughs> I don't dislike going to him. I mean, it's not like, oh man, where's a funeral I can go to tonight? I, I it's not say, Friday night date or anything, but. Depends on the circumstances. <laughs> I, I like so enjoy funerals. Yeah, do you? And, and it's not that like a dark side of things. No, no, no. It's because I see like you do wear black all the time. I do, but that has nothing to do with death. <laughs> We're gonna call you Gothic. <laughs> it's Johnny Cash, man in black. Go listen to the song. Anyway, um, yeah, but you like funerals. Them. I, I do because it's it's it is 
on the most simple um, concept, it, it's a reset for me, you know, to really refocus where I'm at and what my relationship looks like with God. And, and uh, not only that, but really to see like, especially if it's a Christian person that has just passed, I get excited for them. Like our whole life, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for the time that I get to meet Jesus face to face for the mm-hmm. first time. I like, I look forward to that. Jesus come today, please. You yeah. know, like, but at the same time, I'm so excited for that person who just right then and there on that day, they got to see Jesus for the first time, you know, like yeah. that's exciting to me, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I, I'm happy for them. Yeah. We're all sitting here and we're sad, you know, because we won't get to see so-and-so anymore. No, and separation hurts. For a limited time. Right. And and so much of this life, think about your, you know, going through your life and how fast everything goes. You know, it's a, it's a blink of an eye. So, so you think when you die, you, you get to see the the maker right then? I I do. Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong. So in, in the, right. We, we say he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Mm -hmm. So, what's the dead yeah so how does this all kind of work out what is the right. afterlife what, what picture the, chronologically how does that work yeah i mean you know because there are some faiths out there that who will say uh even christian faiths well you know you gotta go to you gotta go wait over here for him to come back or you know there's so there's there's some different thoughts in there and i, I find yeah. it interesting that you say whoop when when uh, when i expire here i'm you want to uh, know why right? i say that yeah because it, it, the way that I'm thinking through this is that when I die, you, you could say that you're in a sleep. You're, you're, you may not be with him right away. Mm-hmm. You may, I, I don't know this, yeah. right? I, I've never died before. <laughs> so I don't know. As this. far as you know, as far as I know, <laughs> but imagine like when you, unless it, unless it's a night, like I had last night where I slept and then I woke up and I slept, which I hope that doesn't happen. But when I die, <laughs> I, I think that I'm going to be in a sleep until maybe he comes yeah. or like you say, the, the return of Christ. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to imagine that I'm, I wake up from this sleep, not knowing the a presence of time or, you know, the, the length of time that I've actually been, but maybe like, okay, I'm awake. Jesus is there. It's kind of like when your mo- mom wakes you up in the morning and says, I got breakfast ready for you, hon. Oh, great. Thanks, mom. You know, <laughs> what, what <laughs> only would, like a million times better. <laughs> what would Jesus bring you for breakfast? Yeah. Um, All right. So let's frame this yeah, because, let, of course, the afterlife this. is one of the, the primary teachings and hopes of salvation in Christian faith. And let's kind of bring a few pieces together here. What happens after we die? What's the Christian hope after we die? What can we expect? What are the unknowns? How does that relate to, to what you mentioned, Kent, about Christ coming again and what happens before then? We've got Ruth up here. She made a comment, and I'm going to tie this one in too. I have seen Jesus. However, I've also been through a lot of pain. And yes, Jesus is real, but it truly feels like you need to die in order to see him. And we won't see Jesus at once. So this is a relationship. And you know some of these kinds of things. And uh, let's kind of tie it all together. My experience with most Christians, and and, and bear with me with this, this takes some explanation. Mm -hmm. My experience with most Christians today is that the knee-jerk reaction is that the hope of Christianity is to die and go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So life now becomes sort of a unspoken waiting room. Um, a, a blink of an eye or, you know, a flash or whatever it is. And then the real goal is to die and then get to heaven to be with Jesus for an eternity. And I want to challenge that line of thinking because while I don't think that it's incorrect, I think that it's short-sighted. 
the main New Testament hope of salvation and life eternal is not dying and going to heaven, but Christ's return and resurrection. And what the book of Revelation and, and other texts will talk about is they'll call it the new heaven and the new earth, that God created the earth tangibly in the beginning. We, we, we make this big distinction between soul and body, right? Between the, the material and the spirit. And I think we have this platonic tendency to kind of think of the material as being less than holy or less than good. And, and, and the spiritual side is really what matters. And of course, what we equate spiritual to mean is the non-material. But God made creation and, and God loves material things. And he made Adam and Eve to be people of, of, of flesh, to eat food and to, I don't know, dance with the goats in the garden or you know what they would do and <laughs> swim in waterfalls and you know but, but but he made creation and he made creation and, and all its complexity and wondrous array and he actually made adam and eve with a purpose to care for it to develop it to build on it i think many people think heaven's gonna be boring too uh, let me circle back on that the real hope extended from both old and new testament alike is that there is going to be a day when god returns to restore all things and that means restoring a broken creation broken people and broken relationships with him. And so the New Testament writers will call it a new heaven and a new earth. And here's the thing, because the first heaven will pass away. Heaven as we understand it now is a temporary state of affairs, just like earth as we understand it now is a temporary state of affairs. Christ will come again and restore and renew God's creation. And Christ comes down. God comes down, we don't go up. He's coming back here. Earth is our home. And our, and our home is pretty messed up right now. It's been vandalized. But it's our home nonetheless. And God wants to get our home back to the way God wants his home to be, where he dwells with his people again. And so the fundamental hope has to always be framed on this body's coming back to life. I mean, flesh and blood, transformed, renewed, different in many ways than what it is now, but nonetheless with some sense of continuity to who I am. And to me, that's a lot of joy and hope. I, I mean, just, just think about the, the, the capabilities and the capacities of what that means to be able not to just have the prime of your life for 20 or 30 years, but to spend 10,000 years um, growing in a relationship with someone that you love, uh, engaging in a hobby or a skill, the work that God has given you and, and, and be only getting started there. I, I mean, imagine, you know, you're a drummer, Steve. Um, uh, imagine how good you're going to be after 10,000 years. Will, the, will there even will, be drums? I don't know. And that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> you know, at some There'll point, race cars and, and again, like I don't want to get too tangential yeah. um, and, and lose sight of, of, of the main questions here. But at some point, I think that is the fear for a lot of people yeah. is, is how much continuity or discontinuity will there be? And, and I see kind of two equal and opposite errors on this. I'll go to funerals sometimes, and, and, and people mean this well-intended, but they'll say things like, oh, well, he's up there playing golf with Jesus right now because, of course, he loved to play golf here. Well, no, his body is in the ground. He is, his soul is disembodied at this point, and he is certainly with the presence of Jesus, and, and that is the New Testament hope. Paul will talk about this going, you know, he's rotting away in prisons. You could read this in Philippians 1. He doesn't know if he's going to make it out. He's writing to this church going, I hope to see you again. But he's like, but I don't know if I hope. He's like, I'm torn. I don't know what I want. Mm -hmm. Because part of me wants to depart, which means to die, and go and be with the Lord. 
and, and that's key, to be with the Lord, which he says is better by far, his words, not mine. Right. But he's like, but I know there's a lot of work for me left to do here. And, and I know the grief that it'll bring you. So, so I kind of want to still be here too. And, and, and I think a lot of people who are believers have felt that kind of tension and, 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 and tornness or conflictedness, if you will. But let's start with the hope is resurrection and then back up now. So my dad is a believer, right? My dad's died. He's died. Where is he right now? Well, he's with the Lord. Um, he's in a place with the Lord, as Paul will put it, which is better by far. Um, First Thessalonians four, we'll talk about when Christ comes again, that those who have died in the Lord will come with him, that they're part of kind of, there's groupies now, they're part of his entourage, (laughs) you know, they're they're, they're part of that great kind of just celebration that's happening in heaven right now and and partaking in that. And when Christ comes, they come with him and we kind of go out to meet him as he's coming, you know, down, down to this earth again. So there's an intermediate hope now that when you die, you get to go to heaven, but that should never eclipse the greater hope of Christ's return when he raises you from the dead. Right. And the new heaven, new earth, which right? is what that which, is. It, and it, I think you said this earlier, Andrew, like, I, I, I wonder like, am I going to be bored? Because yeah. it's eternity. Like, you know, that's, that's a long time. Ever. I'm trying to wrap your mind around that. You can't. You'll give yourself a headache. You sure. will. You will. And, <laughs> and I, my dad and I, we talk, I mean, we talk about this and he's like, well, I don't even know if I want to be in heaven. I mean, that's a long time, you know, and what am I going to do for the whole time? And, and uh, it's like, yeah, I'm right there with you, Dad. I, I'm really hoping there's a lot of things that I really love to do and new things that I don't even know about to do as well. And I think it's some of that medieval art that's actually kind of seeped into our pop culture and that exists today, where you see heaven depicted is like the ethereal like sky with the puffy clouds and the angels, like like which are like these little like fat babies sitting in diapers playing <laughs> harps. And you know, we've seen stained glass like this, and yeah. and you know, and if that becomes your conception of heaven, oh my gosh, who? Yeah, right. Who? I mean, yeah, sure, it's better than suffering. Yeah. But I mean, who in their right mind is lit up by that? And, and, unless you're just like kind of like totally in the depths of suffering, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that's not what heaven is. That's not even what angels are. Right. That, that is so messed up from top to bottom. I mean, where do we even start on that? But <laughs> I mean... Now I now I've, I've see like Steve. Little, I tell you, I mean, if you put on like sixty pounds of baby fat and you're wearing a diaper up there playing a harp, I'm turning around, dude. I mean, it's like just, a little, you'll look like, like me. Jazz quartet, you know, out, <laughs> out on a patio somewhere with people just. But no, but doesn't it feed that fear though? That I think a lot a lot of people have is going, man, like you know, what do I? Eternity's a long time. I mean, how do you even conceive of it? And yeah. what will I do? And then you see pictures of like the worship service, and like they can barely tolerate an hour in church, let alone an eternity of singing like praise songs or something. Like there's that no, and, up yeah. there there's no it's like you're a dog there's no concept of time <laughs> now, you can put a dog in its kennel for eight hours and it's happy to see you when you get home you can put it in there for five minutes and it's happy to see you when you get home <laughs> they have no concept of time i don't know kent i'm not so that i see my dog <laughs> going to the kennel i don't seem too thrilled about it <laughs> so on the comments uh pete i think um go down one here uh, it says keep going oh i'm well, sorry uh, keep going this one. there it is yeah he says, uh, that's interesting. How do you account for people who pass but don't move on? Okay, so uh, Pete, maybe give us a text in. Um, and again, you can text in any questions on this, again, to all our listeners, to 815-314-0363. Again, 815-314-0363. Or post them right here in real time on, uh, on, on Facebook via 216 The Net or on Fellowship of Faith. 
But um, uh, let's frame this again. Uh, Pete, I guess I'm, I'm not fully understanding the question that you're asking here about. Um, so it says my grandmother, he, Pete's saying, my grandmother died some years ago. Since then, uh, a grand, grandfather, sorry. Since then, he's been very uh, visibly seen by several different family members in different locations. He was a high patriarch in what was the RLDS church. So, All right. So um, help me out, Pete. Um, my my memory is um, skipping here a little bit on what the RLDS, I, I'm like Church of Jesus Christ. Is that Latter-day, Latter-day Saints, Saints, I'm assuming, is what you mean? The R, is it the Reformed Church, church of Latter-day, Latter-day Saints? Saints. I, I, I bet is where we're going. All right. Yeah. All right. So a number of things here. And, and fundamentally, I think you're opening the question about ghost spirits. Um, if people die and continue to stay here on the earth or haunt the earth or, or even just be a, a good and kind presence here on the earth. And you'll meet a lot of people that will, like, like Pete is saying with us today, that will go, we've seen him. We felt him. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's too uncanny what he knows. And, and, and all experience seems to suggest for them that their loved one has not passed on, meaning to heaven eventually, um, or, or passed on yet. We're not going to say it's a permanent state of affairs, but but at least for a season or a time. You know, there's not a lot that I can speak into with what I would say biblical or theological certainty on this question, but I will open up a few suggestive ideas on this. Okay. One the hope extended in the Bible is heaven. And so our, and Pete, I don't mean this to you, but, but for many people that I've met is, is a desperation to hold on to our loved ones here because it's so hard to say goodbye. I I think sometimes is more, um, more reflective of the fact that we have not passed on more than our loved one has passed on. Sometimes I think we see what we want to see. Sometimes I think we have to open ourselves and allow ourselves to be challenged that maybe what I'm experiencing is me looking into things. And, and just because I heard a knock on a wall because I felt a presence because the picture frame fell right where grandpa used to sit or, or, you know, some of these ways that I I see people described it to me, you can't de facto say that that's because your loved one is still here. However, I think there's an alternative to that too. God is a God of signs. And I think God delights in giving us signs. And I think people approach signs with God in all the wrong ways. Because oftentimes what we want from God in a sign is we want the future foretold for us. So it's kind of like what they used to do in like ancient Greece and every other pagan culture where it's like, you know, go to the diviner or, 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 you know, look at the portents and the omens and, you know, start reading the stars and things like that to go, should I go into battle or will this person fall in love with me or what phone plan should I choose or, you know, whatever it might be. And and we want God to do that. That's not really the sign business God is is nearly as involved in, is giving assurances of his presence and promise. So I'll give you one personal example and I'll give you one biblical example. A personal example is after my grandma died. This is my mom's mom, and she fought cancer for the better part of 20 years. I remember, uh, so this was back in the early 80s. This was back in the day when um, they didn't let you go and visit your relative if you were under a certain age. 
And if you know anything about my mom, she'd have nothing to do with that. So I spent the better part of my childhood getting snuck up hospital wards, learning how to lie <laughs> by my age, you, you know, doing all those kinds of things. And it was kind of a game and it was fun. And the giant trench coat. Yeah. All of it, you know, because because yeah. this is ridiculous. I'm going to go see my my grandma yeah. in her dying days. And, and and this was a woman where the cancer got into her bone. She was racked with pain. I mean, it was it was a bad. And for years, um, just as an aside, her doctor was treating her for arthritis. Um, wow. Didn't really want to look into it or didn't want to tell her what, it, uh, you know, it's it's hmm. before my time of coming to to age to kind of comprehend those things. Right. But um, not only the the tragedy of what she had to suffer, but the tragedy of maybe what could have been averted with, with different medical care. She died at about 64 years old. So young after a, a, a just my mom would tell me the, sc the stories screaming in pain in, in her hospital room. And the toll of course that takes on any family who has to witness their, their, their parent or a loved one go through that and suffer like that as an aside, strangely for my family, it was often faith affirming and faith strengthening mm -hmm. rather than faith destroying, um, which it is for other people, because in that place, all they had was God mm -hmm. and seeking God is one who didn't delight in this, but wanted this needless to say, let's go to the sign. It was a night or two. And my mom, I got to re-ask her the story. We lived in Chicago at the time. All right. And, uh, an owl came and perched on her window while she was praying and crying. Okay. I'm sure there's owls in Chicago and today, you know, you can find coyotes in Chicago and stuff, but you know, late seventies and early eighties, I mean, you had pigeons and squirrels and, and that was <laughs> it. You did not see wildlife and the assurance that that brought my mom. It was so out of sorts, so out of character, so perfectly timed, right? Now, some people might go, well, that owl was your grandma coming back to visit you in some kind of embodied form. Well, I'm not going to talk about the, the great list of possibilities, but that's not really the biblical hope or the biblical way of approaching it. Rather, I think it's better to look at it and go, God sometimes gives those points of assurance, just does something peculiar or weird, tunes you to see something that you would ordinarily miss. And, and I think we can go around the horn right here and have dozens of examples of times that we've experienced that in life where God gives us this little sense of something, right? Um, one that I've shared at Fellowship of Faith, the church where I serve here in McHenry, is uh, when my mom's wife died. Her name was Mary, and she came down with early onset Alzheimer's, um, very young, and finally took her. Um, 69 to 71, it was like right in that age, and I'm, and I'm skipping on it. She loved birds. She actually used to say this, that, that if she was to retire, she wanted to do three things. Read magazine, paint pictures of birds and play the piano. She loved birds. She'd always wear like those grandma sweatshirts, like the birds embroidered yeah, on yeah. them and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. T-shirt parties. And yeah. she loved cardinals so much so that her tombstone actually has a cardinal etched on it. <clears throat> it was like the weekend after she died. It was the middle of winter. I was coming into FOF. I was parking in the parking lot. I was walking in snow covered ground everywhere. And there in the parking lot is a cardinal. Now, it's in its own right, you kind of attuned to it, and but okay, it's a bird, right? I mean, you're not going to read into it too much, but it was sitting there on the ground. I started walking closer. It just looked up at me, right? I start getting closer. I'm like, is this thing injured? No, it hopped a little bit, didn't seem to be. It let me walk within two inches of it. It just looked at me, wasn't afraid, wasn't spooked, just kind of looking up. Hi there, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I'm having this moment going, 
do I try to pet this thing? <laughs> you know, cause, cause, cause of course, how do you not? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I stooped down. Doesn't care one bit. Really? I decided not <clears throat> to pet it, but there was something so uncanny. It was something simple, regular and ordinary. And yet was so uncanny at the same time. So out of the ordinary and so tied to certain things. I don't think that that was my, my grandma or, or, or my mother-in-law, I should say, coming to visit me from the dead. But I do think God works through those things to give us an assurance. I came back later. He was long gone. And it wasn't like there was some pile of feathers there. You know, some cat got it while I was in church or something like that. Or <laughs> just, right? Yeah. Little signs. So, so Pete and anyone who's listening, I would encourage you not to go chasing the idea of, of, of trying to connect and commune with your loved one um, who might not have passed on but to welcome what you're noticing as an assurance from God that there is more to this world than just the material that we see. Um, at the same time, you do see the strange biblical stories every now and then of like King Saul, who's the the precursor of King David, going to the witch of Endor because he's desperate and God's rejected him and he's looking for help. And they try to conjure up Samuel together. And it says that Samuel's spirit comes back and going, what are you doing? So, so again, I, I'm not going to take this conversation too far down the, shall we say, the unexplained phenomena path, yeah. even though I know people love to text on that and, and, and please do and, we, and, and ask about it. But, but let, let's, let's kind of circle it back to the idea of salvation because yeah. that's the fundamental point of what we're talking about here. God is a God who saves even from death. And of course, very few have gone on the side of death and have come back, Jesus being the most notable one. And that's someone who I want to trust when he talks about death, you, you know? <laughs> he's one who's seen it and come out on the other side. And um, even in, in the face of that, God saves from those kinds of things and can give us hope while we wait until our day comes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of course, you're listening to 21.6 The Net. This is... Questions you never thought you could ask in church. That's it. Of course, <laughs> uh, if you have questions, feel free to text the question state one five three one four zero three six three. You can reach uh, reach out to fellowshipoffaith.org. You can check them out on Sundays as well at uh, ten. We yep. we run them live here in twenty one six the net. You can check them out on Facebook, YouTube, Fellowship of Faith as well. Uh, and uh, thanks, and, and we absolutely love all the questions coming in. And you know what? If you want to go down that metaphysical uh, aspect we've got metaphysical meanderings on saturday morning uh at 9 30 all right so all right there you go because it so, looks like lana is part of that right she probably <laughs> hosts the show i would imagine she is the meander <laughs> all right yeah, all right <laughs> thanks for listening today lana and uh yeah we've got some uh some comments there but you know I, i'd like to do something andrew and steve yeah and it's you know i'm looking at the clock we've got about 15 minutes to uh-huh. go here on today's show and, and we're talking about salvation and we've kept it, and I've intentionally kept it, I've intentionally kept the net cast wide, mm-hmm. talking about fundamentally just the broad stroke idea of salvation that's common to human experience and how God speaks into it generally. But I wouldn't be ju- doing justice to a show like this or to who I believe God is or what the Christian understanding of salvation is if we don't at some point bring this to the focal point of, of, of Jesus Christ, because fundamentally the idea behind Jesus is not just a wise prophet or a good moral teacher or, or someone to, to show us a better way of living, though certainly he does all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's far more than that from a Christian understanding mm-hmm. that fundamentally his purpose is to orchestrate the most necessary salvation God has for a broken world and broken humanity. I agree. 
And so I don't know what kind of questions we might have in the mailbag on this or, or how you want to kind of steer this conversation, yeah. but let's maybe turn to that is, is the next chapter in this. Yeah, that's, that's what I was kind of hoping to focus on. Um, so we'll see how much we can get to now and maybe continue this. And of course, if we don't get to your questions today, keep asking them on all these related topics because we put them in the mailbag and we'll get into them in future shows. Yeah. Again, you can ask at 815-314-0363 if you're listening. If you're watching online, you can post right on Facebook, either 216th and that or Fellowship of Faith. But anyway, Andrew, take it. Yeah, so I think the the kind of the idea in probably evangelicalism is that idea of like being saved or I got right, saved. Right. This is when the I got saved. The fundamental idea of your identity, who you are. Right. And I think it's, that's something that I've always wrestled with this idea of, okay, this was the point where I wasn't saved. Now this is the point where I is saved. I, I am saved. Yeah. So what was that switch that happened? Was it, I mean, there's different denominations that have a prayer that you say there's ones that it's baptism there's ones that it's oh it's just a belief that you have um i think uh, one example i found is like the five pillars of islam these are the steps you take to get to that point of salvation and being saved so i guess how would you describe that that process or that step because i think a yeah. lot it, especially yeah. in in like lcms lutheran circles it's very much the Holy Spirit does all the work. We're not doing anything. It's a gift. It's all these things. And I think for me, that's been so much harped on of like, we don't do anything. We don't do anything. We don't do anything. But at some point, there's something that we're doing. Well, at some point, what do you do with teachings of Jesus or even the apostles who say things like the kingdom of God is upon you. So repent. Mm-hmm. Or, that, <laughs> you know, yeah. or that, for instance, like I know you, you're, you've been a part of the, the national youth gathering, the LCMS national youth gathering. Well, one of the, the uh, years it was the, the the name or the title was chosen, and so meaning that you've been chosen, correct? I don't think that was talking about in terms of salvation, but okay. So you choose. <laughs> you know, we have we have choosing. You, yeah. you 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 choose to believe or you choose not to believe, and so then there. I know that there's a lot of Lutherans even that that say. That's, that's not correct. You don't choose. So let me do two things. Let me start by framing not just what evangelicals, but what all Christians are talking about when they talk about, uh, casually speaking, salvation. And then let me take it to step two into the how. How am I saved? Or the mechanisms, if you will, which is where you see a little bit more nuance in the answer than the the general question itself. Steve, I'm not blowing you off on where we want to go on on, on that third point, but I think we're going to have to devote some some time maybe in the next episode to this this question that I think plagues us all, Christian and non-Christian alike, of of God's foreknowledge versus our free will, predestination, election, um, the ability to respond to God, or is it just all kind of fatalistically determined? You know, things like that, because that does pertain, but that's almost putting the cart before the horse, uh-huh. if you ask me at this point. It just led my mind there. Absolutely, because so, yeah, that's, that's what this point. does, and yep. it's great. I'm glad you brought it up. Yep. So let's start here. The Bible will talk and, and, and show people crying out to God to be saved from virtually everything and anything. But the most common thing that we see, the, the prophets of the Bible calling people to salvation from, is their own sinfulness. And the idea of sin is simply that we are fundamentally corrupt. Most people think of sin as breaking or transgressing laws or commands of God. 
that is part of it. It is that. But I think when we reduce it to that, we miss a very important element is that we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we're sin. That sin is not just being a rule breaker or law breaker, meaning the rules and laws of God, but that somehow fundamentally within myself, I am not right. I am not the way that God designed me to be. There's something broken, flawed, and even evil that resides within me and that is rebellious against God and his way and would, would cut off my nose despite my own face and certainly would cut off my nose despite God's face. If I could, we all struggle with this. This is, this is fundamental to the Christian understanding of the human being and that God is right to judge sin because sin, it's horrible. It's what creates the suffering and terror and, 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 and misery in this world that we we do to ourselves, that we do to other people, that we do to our creation. And, and that, that if God is in any way good or just, God is, shall we say, morally obligated or bound to do something about that at some point. It's his character to say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and it's my job, if you will, to set wrongs right. And that sounds really great when you're looking at someone who's wronged me. But when you realize all the ways that I have sinned against others and have sinned against God, well, that's very scary territory. Mm -hmm. And the fundamental Christian idea is that you can't become a Christian until you come to the place of realizing that about yourself. And not only realizing about that about yourself, but realizing that God would actually be good to judge you in that. To be so disgusted in your own sin, to be so disgusted with with the the track record of misery that you've cast in your life, to um to come to the realization of the horrors of what you've become and what you've done to other people and what you've done to yourself, in both those great and 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 very memorable ways, but even in just the thousand choices we make every day of of, of, of selfishness and self centeredness and greed and lust and envy and and and, and uh, gluttony and everything else that we do, um that has a cumulative effect. And God doesn't want to judge anyone. The people who have the idea that God is a stern God who delights in punishing or judging other people, that's not the biblical perception of God. In fact, so much of why God allows suffering to continue in this world is because he doesn't want to come down, strike strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. God God is not Cobra Kai, all right? (laughs) God, God is, God, I love how Romans puts it, where where he says, God is patient, wanting all people, even the worst of people, to come to repentance. God does not want to judge anyone, even the worst of the worst, because God loves these people. God loves all of us, even the worst of the worst, and even the most depraved of human beings who have done the most horrible of things to others. God wants us to turn from that and turn to him. And one of the common words the Bible will use for this is repentance. All repentance means is to turn or convert. You, you know, and, and this is an everyday term. Like, like you can have a converter, like, elect, like a piece of electronic equipment. You know, it has a, a converter, yeah. right? Which is basically changing something in the electronic flow, right? Uh, I, I'm out of my league at this point. But, <laughs> but it's basically changing something. Well, what conversion is, is basically changing. It's turning from the path of destruction that I'm seeking and turning to God and turning to God for his mercy for his grace and his forgiveness, not turning him to go, oh, look at me, I'm so good, or, or oh, I'll try harder, I'll do better, saying, oh, no, Lord, you're right to judge me, but have mercy on me. And I love how Romans 4 puts it, that that the man who seeks to, to 
work before God and, and, and earn his favor and salvation, well, he'll, he'll get what he deserves. Yeah. But to the one who turns to the God who justifies the wicked, oh, that's where it's found to go, I'm wicked. And yet, Lord, you'll, you'll save me. You'll rescue me from that. You'll, you'll declare me not guilty. And the reason he does is because of his son. The point of Jesus coming into the world is God taking on human flesh to do for us what none of us can do for ourselves, and that's save ourselves. And so God says, I'll do it. But he does it as a human. So to feel what we feel, to face what we face, to, to accomplish what humanity was supposed to do, but has proved itself unable and unwilling to do, and then to take upon himself the punishment that humanity rightly deserves. And then through that, God's mercy and grace being offered to all. So that's fundamentally what Christians are talking about when they talk about salvation, that we are being saved from our sin, from the judgment that we rightfully deserve from that sin, from the separation from God that occurs because of that sin, and the death that is the just payment for that sin. And Jesus accomplishes that by his death on the cross. That's where he takes his punishment, um, or our punishment, rather, and brings salvation to us. And this is where the nuances come in, Andrew. Because then, how does that apply? Because the Bible is clear that that salvation is for the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. That, that what Jesus did is enough and accomplishes God's salvation for all people in all space and all time. It is not limited. And we'll nuance something on that next week because there is a, 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 a slight Christian group that would derivate on that um, slightly. But it's not what I believe and it's not where I'm going to go today. Um, that that salvation is for the sins of the world. It's available to all. It's unconditional. All right. It's boom. There you go. It's, it's here for everyone. And that the way that we get to enjoy that, the Bible will put through all different kinds of terms. It'll use different metaphors. It'll talk about repent. It'll talk about believe. It'll talk about be baptized. It'll talk about being born again. It'll talk about, and and I can go on with more. The fundamental thing that it comes down to is often described by the New Testament term faith, which means more than just believing that it's true, Mm -hmm. but it means putting your trust in God for that salvation saying, Lord, I can try to earn it. I can try to work for it. I can try to impress you. I can try to find my salvation through all different means. I am throwing my lot in with you. Oh Lord, save me. I'm trusting you to save me. And that becomes the gateway to that salvation that God wants to give you. Yeah. I think too, Andrew, you, you, you were one of your thoughts or questions was when, when did that become real or when did, because like you, I grew up in the faith, you know, I grew up as a Lutheran, um, my parents brought me to church and whatnot, but to Dave's point where it was, I know exactly when that switched, where it was, okay, I believed, but that faith wasn't real, that, that the, um, what was going on in my life and how God was working through all that. And that's part of the, the testimony that I have. And, you know, if next yeah. week we want, well, let's pick this up we, next week. We the, agree. Like, how does God get a hold of you and bring you to yep, that place yep. where you do throw your yep. trust in with yep. him and receive his gift of salvation? Because that, that, that is a very nuanced question actually. And, and requires, I think a lot of discussion on different ways people have talked about it. Cause there's a lot of confusion yeah, out there absolutely. about it. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to thank you for listening today. We're coming to the end of the show. Great discussion, Steve, Andrew. Thanks for uh, um, um, 
you know, being a part of this today. As always, you can text your questions in on God, life, theology, the Bible, anything you have about, uh, about the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. Um, we'll do our, our, our best to kind of discuss and, and answer them here in real time on the spot. You can text those questions in to 815-314-0363. That's 815-314-0363. Check us out on 216 The Net every Wednesday at 1230 p.m. Check us out at Fellowship of Faith. Um, go to fellowshipoffaith.org and catch us on Sunday mornings as well um, and, and and join in the discussion there. If we did not get to your questions today, they are in the mailbag. You are not forgotten. We will incorporate them into the future shows that are to come. So keep asking. I think I got through it all. That's God lot, bless. And uh, yeah, right there. you like that right there? <laughs>